0: When you're born again, it's not a you don't just reform some things, you're regenerated. How many of y'all know when God saved you, you changed? Did some things change? Desires change? Yeah. And I'm gonna say if it didn't change, you probably need to get saved. Now I'm not saying we don't revert and let the world distract us and destroy us and 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 all those other things, but from the time we're born again, we now have a home in heaven. We are now created as a new creation to be his ambassador until he brings us home. Colleen, again, where's our home? All right, I'm going to pick on you right away, Scott, because I see that yawn, dude. You did a good job of hiding that yawn. I'm just messing with you, man. But your, your home's where? And is that a done deal? Is it guaranteed? And when's that going to happen? Oh, you don't know the date, right? <laughs> it's going to happen when he's done with you. You know, again, we talk about it like Fred Flintstone, man. Y'all remember Fred Flintstone? You remember, you remember when the, they blew the horn, whoo, at the end of the day, they say, oh, I still want to work a little longer for Mr. Slate today. No, dude, he couldn't wait to get home. How many of y'all wish you had a Flintstone car? You know what I'm saying, dude? Wasn't that a bad car? And, and so, so, again, from the time we're born again to the time that he brings us home, which that means this is not our... This is not our home. This is Mr. Slate. This is where we work for him. But he's empowering us and giving us everything we need to be a success. By the way, did you know that we all have the same definition for what a success is? A success is nothing more than you being who God created you to be. For success is nothing more than you doing what God has created you to do for a moment, for a a season, for a lifetime. Success is determined not by what society says is a success. It's not determined by a balance sheet. It's not determined by a budget. It's not determined by a poll. Success is determined by God Almighty saying, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of y'all want to hear that one day? Isn't that what we're living for? And if you're not, I'm telling you, that's what we should be living for. That's what we want to live for is one day God said, dude, that's awesome. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then we realize the only reason we were good and faithful is because of the grace he gave us. And we give him all the glory back. So from the time we're born again until the time he brings us home, which is heaven, we're already set. Emily, is anything going to get in the way with that? Nothing. We are set. Man, you know, I've heard people who they get an inheritance and now they're set for life or they win a lottery and they're set for life. How many of y'all think a lottery or an inheritance, honestly, come on, raise your hand, don't be pious, put your church answer up. How many of y'all would say, dude, if I could win that Powerball, win that lottery, if I could get that giant inheritance, I'd be set for life. Come on, help me out. You know, yeah. Terry already said he'd buy the property next to where his house is so we could start a church up there. All right. He's already said God wants to bless him with Powerball. That's what will happen. Right. And so uh, uh, but anyways, and that's no more gambling than the stock market. Okay, I'm just going to (laughs) say. But anyways, uh, so so so, man, it's like, what was I talking about, Bob? (laughs) Well, where were we at? This is not my home. Yeah. So anyways, from it's a done deal. Oh, I know where we were at. Sorry. Mental wedgie. We'll pull that right now. So, and now I lost it again. (laughs) I'm looking at Emily. Emily, what were we talking? Oh, it's a done deal. Nothing's in the way. Nothing's going to stop it. Nothing is going to change. We are are set for life. How many of y'all know you're set for life? Nate, are you set for life? Is there anything that's going to mess it up? No, when you die because you have Christ in his blood covering you, the sacrifice, you've got a home in heaven. You're going to be there forever. And what's the P word that is going to describe heaven? It begins with a P and ends with a T and has perfect in the middle of it. What? It's perfect. You're going to be in paradise. You've got an all-expense-paid trip to paradise from Christ. And we're set. Do you understand that? We're set for life. But yet we put so much into this and we miss what god has created this for no matter what your position in here is you understand whatever your calling is here on this planet whatever position you have whatever title you get to claim as your own right now you understand you are in that to be an ambassador that new creation hey did we coordinate ahead of time for you to say that chris you couldn't have said anything more perfect because that where he talks about us being a new creation in Christ. Read the rest of that. It is to be his ambassador. Dude, that's what it's about. Ambassador doesn't go around making people join the kingdom, do they? What does an ambassador do? Hey, Rick, what does an ambassador do, man? Uh, he goes to another country, gets to know about it, and he tells his own country about it. Yeah, and what does he do for his own country? He spreads good news about his own country. Yeah, he just represents his country. He represents his kingdom. So you understand, as an ambassador, your job's not to make everybody else be part of our kingdom. What your job is to is to represent our kingdom in every situation. And and, and so you represent our kingdom, which is the kingdom of God. Now, what if somebody wants to defect? Ryan, what? Ryan, Ryan, you can answer this in tandem. What if somebody wants to defect and leave Satan's kingdom and come to our kingdom? Then what do you do? You tell them about it, right? You introduce them to the king and say, here, ask him. And, and when, you, when they ask the king if they can be part of this kingdom, what does the king say? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Come on. And so that's our job. That's not a high-pressure job. So from the time we're born again to the time he brings us home, God's left us here and given us the ability through his grace. Listen to this. This is what Peter talks about. And we talked about two weeks ago, the best citizens. The week the hurricane or the tropical storm, whatever it was, that was what we preached on. We're supposed to be the best citizens anywhere. And through God's grace and God's sovereignty, there is no accident. Nothing is happening without his control, without his approval. It is all there. It's just a matter of we figure out what God wants us to do in each situation. He hasn't lost any control, any sovereignty. And so we're supposed to be the best citizens He's equipped us to be the very best citizens we can be. Now, if we have to violate scripture to do it, then we go with scripture. We obey God over man. And you know what? That is being the best citizen because God's way is the best way. But you better make sure that's what you're doing. It's not just a personal preference. So we obey God over man, but we are supposed to be the best citizens there are. That's why he gives us grace. Look what else last week we talked about. We're supposed to be the best employees, the best employees. Remember last week we talked about your bad boss is a blessing. Your bad boss is a blessing. You never looked at it that way, but that's the way Peter showed the Jews who he was writing to your bad boss is a blessing. Realize God's got you right where he wants you and he's got you in this spot for a number of reasons to grow you, to make you more like me and also show that bad boss what I am like, because what's the best thing that could happen to a bad boss? Hey, Tom, what's the best thing that can happen to a bad boss? He comes to know Christ and becomes a good boss. Or if he already knows Christ, he gets to know him in a new way and be more like Christ. So it's a no-lose situation. So we're supposed to be the best citizens, supposed to be the best employees. Today, we're going to look at two parts of it. We're supposed to be the best spouses and the best human beings. Period. How many of y'all want to be the best human being? <laughs> and I'm not talking about competing with other people. I'm talking about just, you know, I'm talking about. Have you ever just met a really good human being, Terry? You ever just met a good human being? I'm looking at one. Yeah, you're like, dude, that's, oh, dude, I want to hug you, man. <laughs> and I didn't pay him. We didn't course on that either. So, but literally, man, when you meet a good human being, it's just, it. it, it Emily said something the other day about, you know, I forget even the situation, but she's like, oh, that just just revived my hope in society. You ever met somebody like that that just revives your hope in society? That's what I see when I look out here, man. So you're supposed to be the best employee, the best spouses, the best human being. As heaven's ambassador, see? I already had that in there. You just let in way early, and that was awesome. As heaven's ambassador, and the whole purpose, from the time you're born again to the time he brings you home, is to be that ambassador and represent him so others will see what a kingdom child looks like and they too can be born again it's not our job to make somebody born again hey uh morgan you're going back to michigan right if if i was the one and and we met if i was the one that led you to christ if i saved you all right not led you to christ but if i saved you who would have to keep you saved i would and dude i ain't going to michigan to do that (laughs) i'm just saying you're on your own girl you better find somebody up in detroit or something i don't know i'm just saying so if I, so God saves you and God keeps you saved, So that's not what I'm talking about. But we represent the kingdom as ambassadors and people say, man, that kingdom's way better than my kingdom. Isn't that what happened to you? when you got saved, Ryan, isn't that what happened to you? You're like, man, that kingdom's better than my kingdom. I done made a mess of this kingdom. I don't want to be a part of this kingdom. Can I be a part of your kingdom? And what did God say? Yes, that's what he said. You know, say that to anyone. So man, we are from that time we're born again. The time He brings us home, we're supposed to be the best citizens. We are supposed to be the best employees, the best spouses, the best human beings. How many of y'all already blown that? Anybody blown that? How many husbands and wives would admit your partner has blown that today? No, I'm just. <laughs> yeah, we have blown it. But how can we do it? We can't do it in the flesh, right? We have to do it in walking in the Spirit. And being full of the Spirit, there is no way. And we'll get to that in the Scripture in a minute. You cannot get along without the Spirit. You see how that works in the world. So that is our job, especially during tough times. tell you another story before we get in the Scripture. i got to say this. If you want to go back home and read Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, go back home and study that, look at it. But I'm going to give you the Eddie paraphrase of this particular story. This is when Peter was feeling real pious with himself. He said, hey, you know, he's like, how many times do I have to forgive somebody if they offend me, seven times? I mean, if somebody really blew it, I mean, really, and you forgave them, and then they hurt you more again the second time. How many of y'all be done after two? I ain't given a chance again. How about after three, four, five? Can you imagine somebody like just messing you over seven times? Peter was being very pious. Seven times? He said, yeah, pal. How about seven times 70? And he wasn't saying 490. Isn't that right? Seven times 70? He wasn't saying that was the, the limit. So 491, they're done, biblically. How do I forgive them ever again? No. Seven is the number of completion. So what he's saying is, is that how often you forgive them is dependent on how often they offend you. All you have to do, all that's required of you to forgive somebody is that they offend you. How many are like, dang, that ain't fair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's it. That's what he said. And then Jesus said, I'm going to tell you a story. He said there was a king who was trying to settle accounts. And so this king who was settling accounts, he uh, kind of looked and he found this one dude that just owed him millions of dollars, billions of dollars, trillion. I mean, just more than this guy could ever pay in his lifetime of just working and giving it all to the king. He couldn't pay it. So the king sent his guys out, got the guy and said, look you know what, you're never going to pay off this debt, and I'm, I'm settling debt, so I'm taking your family, your kids, your property, you, and I'm selling you guys into slavery. And the guy's like, oh, no, 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 don't do that, because I'm going to do what? You remember what the guy said? Matt, you're, Matthew, you remember what the guy said? I'm the yeah, said, I'm going to pay you back. <laughs> I'm going to pay you back. Could the dude pay him back? No, if he worked his whole life and even got Christmas bonuses, he couldn't pay him back. And so, so man, the king looks at it and says, "Oh man," because the guy begged him. And the exact words in scripture says the king had compassion on him. You know what compassion is? Compassion is when you feel someone else's pain in your heart. You feel their pain in your heart. That's what compassion is. And the king said, "Wow, man, I feel for you. You know what? I'm going to do the kingly thing. I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to what's the f word? Forgive, forgive you. I'm going to forgive it all, man." Because there's no way, I, you know what, I'm just going to forgive you. So someone who had been forgiven, how, how would you feel in that? How, Julie, how would you feel in that situation? You have just been forgiven a debt where you were going to lose everything, including yourself, and, and freely the dude just forgives you. How would you feel? Relieved, Relieved yes. Would you be grateful? So keep that in mind as we approach Thanksgiving. Well, he didn't even preach Thanksgiving message. Yes, I am. It's all about gratefulness. You'd be grateful. How many of y'all would be grateful? Full of great. When you're grateful, everything is what, Karen? Great. great. When you're grateful, everything is great. It's, that's the perspective. So dude, the guy should have been grateful. I could never pay off that, and he forgave me. But Christy, you know the story, right? Yeah, pretty good. Here you go. Put you on spot, Christy. All right. Says I haven't seen you a couple weeks. You've been like slaying deer and all kinds of stuff and all that. But listen. So so then the guy goes home, and he's like, Wow, I have been forgiven. And he went around and just forgave everybody. Is that what he did? What did he do, Christy? Ooh, all the people that owed him a couple of bucks. He owed billions. He called in everybody owed him a couple of bucks. Anyone that owed. And he found a dude that owed him like half a day's wages. Huh? Say that again? Just a dollar. Just a dollar. Yeah, just a dollar. It said, pay me. And the guy said, man, I just bought a Big Mac. I just got a 99-cent value meal, man. I can't buy it. I'll pay you you later. And he couldn't pay him. So what did the guy do? Sabrina, what did the guy do? I'll answer you. I see it coming out right now. I see it coming out. Oh, she's giving you the answer. (laughs) Phone a friend. (laughs) All right, what did he do? (laughs) Yeah, he did what? No, it was the right answer to say it. Yeah, he put him in prison. He said, forget you, dude. You can't pay me right now. I'm putting you in prison. And so it went on. He put him in prison. And then it says that other, uh, who was it that really took notice at first? Was it, was it the king? with the law saying, wow, you know, who was it that noticed right off the bat of this injustice? The fellow servants. Other people. And you know what the H word is they use for Christians all the time? You hypocrite. You big hypocrite. You are claiming that you were saved of all your sins for free. This gospel you're sharing me, but you're holding this against me. Do you understand how hypocritical that looks? That's what Jesus was telling this story for. This guy was not grateful for everything that was forgiven him. In fact, he was very ungrateful and felt sort of entitled. And so he found everybody and wanted, demanded that they gave him. So the king came in and said, hey, look, man, maybe there's a misunderstanding here. Can you tell me? He said, no, man, this is what happened. Yeah, and the king said, dude, that just ain't right. That's, king, king, that's the King James Version. It, it just ain't right. <laughs> and he said, this isn't right. And what did he end up doing with this dude? He threw him in prison. And he said, you're going to stay here with the tormentors, and you're going to be tortured. So how long was this, how long are, he said, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't forgive others. So when you don't forgive others, hey, if we judge others by ourselves, okay, and you're a thief, what do you expect everybody else to be doing? Stealing, right? If you're a liar, what do you think everybody else is doing? Lying. Lying. If you're unforgiving, then what do you think about other people? They're unforgiving. And guess what? One of the worst things about being unforgiven or unforgiving as a person is you can't receive forgiveness. So when you can't receive forgiveness, how long are you going to be tortured with unforgiveness, with bitterness, until you learn to forgive? And the moral of the story is this in here, is that if we as believers realize how great of a debt, how great of, a, of a, a debt we had that God forgave us. God paid for it. God, what he delivered us from, we have absolutely nothing comparable to hold anybody else accountable for. You understand that? One day God put it this way for me. He said, you know, there is nothing anyone. It was in the midst of somebody doing something I thought was pretty terrible to me. And God said, there is nothing anybody could do to you that even comes close to what you did to me. And I forgave you. But it's only when we see it from that perspective we can respond the way Peter is gonna show us and teach us how to respond. So go back and look at that story some more. But the whole thing is about being grateful for what he's done. When you're grateful, everything is what? Great. Great. And when you're grateful for what he has done, man, you'll realize there's nothing no one else can do to you that's worse than what you did to him. And you're grateful and you will treat others the way Christ treated you. So look at this. He says, especially during tough times, it, 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 that's when he wants to use his ambassador. So here we go. We're looking at two, set, two sets of uh, groups of people here. He said the best spouses do everything in their power to make their spouses a success. That's it. If You will do everything in your power to make that other spouse a success. How many think that's a good spouse? You know, that's a good spouse, right? if they will do everything in their power to make the other person a success and that's actually the definition of submission how many of y'all love how many of y'all wives especially love that 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 verse wives submit to your husbands you know we view it in a bad way submit you know <laughs> chain to the sink barefoot pregnant whatever i'm just <laughs> that's not what it's saying okay and the word submit He tells everyone who is under authority to submit. He's going to hold leadership accountable, and he'll talk about that a little bit, but submits a military term where we line up underneath somebody only because somebody's got to be in charge. What happens if everybody's in charge? Yeah, what happens if everybody got up and started preaching right now? (laughs) Well, (laughs) you probably wouldn't fall asleep, would you, Scott? No, I'm just messing with you, bro. (laughs) he, all, I, I love him, and he knows I love him, man. And now we just got this thing for a little bit. Until you, you can fight back on me, all right? It's all good, because I love you. We've got this relationship. But, but listen, man. Somebody's got to be in charge at any given time. Otherwise, what's the A word we call that when nobody's in charge or everybody's in charge? Anarchy. anarchy. Can anarchy succeed? No. It's like having a bunch of rats in the cage. Man, they're all eating each other. <laughs> Nothing's going to work. Somebody's got to be in charge, and that's what God did. He did it in our in our in our our government, he did it in our jobs, he's done it in our homes, he does it in in our little gatherings. Somebody's got to be in charge. And God puts there. How many of y'all know you're called to be a leader? Okay? How many of you know you're followers? Okay? Yeah, I just to raise your hand. Cuz leaders like I ain't raising my hand. <laughs> I'm like no, I'm the leader no, But so look, success and, and submission is doing everything in your power to make somebody else a success. But you can only do that if you love God first. So look at this, he says likewise. You know what likewise means? Just the same way as the chapter before where I said you make the, the civil leaders successful and you make your employer successful in the same way wives subject or submit to your own husbands. All right. And now a little backdrop on this prior to the first century, who was a born again believer because of the blood of Christ? Nobody. (laughs) There was no believers. And so so all of a sudden Christianity came in. And when you give your when you become a Christian, it's by giving your life to who? Okay, so if it belongs to him, then you've given it to him. And so now it's like, wow. So does that change my status in government? Does that change the way government looks at me? And, And Peter says no. It really doesn't change your status in government. Hey, does that change my, my status as an employee? No, nope, it really doesn't change that. In fact, you should be a better one. And he said, well, wait a minute now. So let's say a wife gets saved and her husband didn't, which was an embarrassment to the men because, wow, your wife, you weren't good enough. Your wife gave her life to this dead dude named Christ that they say is risen. And now she's loyal to that and not to you because women were really considered property. Jesus did more to free women than anyone ever. And so it was like, whoa, you know, how do I, does this change my marriage? And he's like, "Mm -mm, no, it should make it better. You know, same thing with a husband getting saved. If both of them got saved, what an awesome thing. That's what we're supposed to have. So we're walking in the same direction. So that's the backdrop on this. And he gives wives a little bit more, he gives wives a little bit more encouragement, if you will, than the husbands. But what he gives the husbands is pretty weighty in this. You gotta understand, The slaves, they were not considered people. Now they had a chance to be saved, and who were they? They were now a king's child. But they kept their same status in society. Women were nothing but property, take care of the house, raise kids, whatever, you know what, I can do. And and, and so when they now had an opportunity to give their life to Christ and now be part of, be a king's child, dude, women and slaves made up the majority of the first century church. Because of that, men thought they were all that. And it's like, well, so they, they, they got saved too. But women and slaves and children, man, because now they could be somebody. Isn't that why you got saved? So you could really be somebody? <laughs> and you are. So here he goes, likewise, wives, be subject. Submit to your own husband. So, hey, so when a, when a wife submits, does she have to submit to everybody's husband? <laughs> hey, Chris, who, who, does, who does your wife need to submit to? Her husband you exactly and that takes priority over all the other husbands and all the other things now again we talked about the principle of submission in the last few weeks and if you're ever asked to do something that is unscriptural anything that is against God then you can't submit and be ready to suffer consequences for it but I would say many many things that we refuse to submit to it's not because it's unscriptural it just un, it's not doesn't, doesn't sit right with us so he says, wives, subject, be subject, submit to your own husbands, your own husbands. And that's crucial because I've seen women submit to other husbands, their boss, better than they submit to their own. They're doing everything in their power to make their boss a success and they get home and, and there's nothing there. Or they do everything in their power to, to, to make even a pastor or some other person, you know, a success. The one, what he's saying here is, wives, you know, do everything in your power to really make your husband a success. That's what he's saying. You know? And so he says to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, talking about the husbands. So he's saying some of them aren't saved. Some of these husbands aren't saved. They don't obey the word. They didn't believe the gospel. They didn't give their life to Christ. He says that they may be one. Wow. So through my life, they can be one. But look what he says, how they're supposed to be one. Without a Jordan, what? Without a what? I'm not picking on you, but without a. he's, Huh? Oh, you can't? Okay. It says it says without a what? Help me out. Yeah. So wait a minute. Is this wife supposed to be preaching at the husband all the time? Throwing it down. Okay, it's family dinner. Open up the Bible here. And the husband's like, oh, dang, here we go again. <laughs> you know. No. That's not what it is. It says submit to your own husbands. Do everything in your power to make your husband a success. And through that, if they're not saved, guess what? They may be won to Jesus without a word because your actions speak louder than your words. Your actions, if you don't believe the gospel, the, if you're not living the gospel, why, do you think, why, why would he believe anything you say? What is it? It's a, I think it was a Native American saying that said, oh, I can't hear your words because your actions are so loud. Yeah. So he says, man, just live it. Just live it. Quit preaching it and live it. Preach it if he tells you to, but live it. Don't be preaching if you don't live it, because that don't look real good. Live it. And when you mess up, apologize. Show them forgiveness is real, too. But he says, man, he said that they may be won without a, what's the word again? Word. By the conduct of their wives. I know the King James says conversation, but it's the lifestyle of the wives. Dude, you show, how many of you have ever had somebody see your lifestyle as a believer? And they've watched you and watched you and later they've come and said man you know what i got some things i want to i want to come to christ because of what i've seen in your life anybody ever had that happen yeah keep living it you will that's going to be way better evangelistic plan than preaching all the time at somebody so in fact i think i have this later but uh i heard the word nagging before anybody heard the word nagging I heard a great definition of nagging, okay? And it can be done by men as well as women. And, and wait till I get on the men part here, ladies. If you're like, oh, you're like, you know, like, look at him talking real big right now. Wait, I'm getting to the man part, and the man part's shorter, but it's harder. But nagging, hey, Chris, I, I know your wife doesn't do this, but you can imagine some of the guys you work with and stuff. I heard one time that nagging was being nibbled to death by a duck. nibbled to death by a duck i want you to imagine that you're walking around a duck is just you know when i was a little kid we had geese and i was terrified of them because they just came after you they weren't really going to hurt you but they were scary (laughs) does that sound like your wife and i'm just joking right now but (laughs) nibbled to death by a duck man you're just like (laughs) you can't escape being nibbled to death by a duck it's not a pleasurable experience i don't know anybody that would enjoy being nibbled to death by a duck is there anybody can can even conceive that being a great experience only when you kill the duck and eat it all right but i'm just saying that's that's not relevant to the illustration here (laughs) so being nibbled to death by a duck it doesn't work and that's what he's saying peter's saying guys quit preaching to your wives or quit preaching to your husbands preach through your lifestyle if you love them, if they know you're not manipulating them, they know you truly love them because God has given you a fresh love, a love that can love people that aren't lovable, a love that is, is not dependent on my actions, an unconditional love. Do you not think that's the best way for somebody to see who Christ really is? God is love. We only love him because he loved us first. And he loved us first through what? Someone else. When you see that, and then he shows us how much he loves him, we give our life to him. So he says, when they see your respectful and, what's the next word? Pure, Pure conduct. Loving, not manipulating. Listen, you know what love is? Love is doing it to somebody because, they, because God told you to. That's why you did it. You did it because God told you to. If you do it expecting a result, that is not love. That's Manipulation. I have to share this story. I know some of y'all have seen it, heard it before, but Ashley's right here. And I'll never forget when Ashley, I'll try to make this abbreviated, but when Ashley first, uh, she got up to college with JJ, they had married housing. Dude, a real washer and dryer, refrigerator full of food. And Matt, my, my son, went up to college too. He was living in a dorm. And he had to lit, eat food chow from the chow line, and he had to put all the quarters in the laundromat. Anybody remember that, putting quarters in the laundromat and all those things? And so he would go to married housing and see Ashley and JJ. And he would eat and do laundry, and she'd feed him. And one day, Ashley would call me every day at 1 o'clock. I'd usually be out in the mangroves, and I'd talk to her, Hey, guess where I'm at? And I know you're up there freezing. Uh, and, and we'd be talking, and she's like, I'm so mad at my brother. I'm so mad at Matt. I can't stand. You know what? And I'm like, why? What's wrong? So I feed him. I cook for him. I clean for him. I do his laundry. And 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 he's not changed. I was like, whoa, what? I just want him to go to chapel. I want him to start reading the word of God. I want him starting to take advantage of the Christian school that he's in and do the Christian things. And I'm doing all this for him. And he's not doing any of that. In fact, he's getting worse. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. And... You ever notice how when God helps you point a finger at somebody else, he's pointing right back at you? That's exactly what it was. God put her in my life at that time because I needed to hear that. Because as a pastor, I was not being as loving as I was being manipulating, manipulative. And I said, oh, so Ashley, it sounds like the only reason you're doing any of this for Matt is because you want him to change. Well, yeah, for the better. I mean, isn't that where, how many of y'all like do stuff because you want someone to change for the worse? Duh. It's like we always think it's our version of what's better. That's why we're doing it. They need to do this. And, and so, so I, I'll never forget these words came out of my mouth. And as fast as they came out of my mouth, they were convicting to me. I said, Ashley, it sounds, doesn't sound like you're doing it out of love. It sounds like you're doing it, you're manipulating Matt." And those words pierced my heart because I thought about people in ministry that I poured my life into, and then they didn't do what I gave them counsel to do, and and they didn't do this, and then they turned against me in different things, and it was like, and and I I wasn't as close to him anymore. I'm just being honest with you. He taught me a great lesson that day in my pilgrimage as a pastor, as as a husband, as a daddy, as everything, how to love and not manipulate. And so when, when that happened, I said, you're just doing it for a result. That's manipulation. And God brought great conviction to me. He's like, why, why don't you go call that person anymore? Why aren't you hanging out with that person? And, and this was years ago when she was in college. And, and I said, you know what? You're right, God. And I said, hey, Ashley, why don't you do this? Why don't you only cook for him and do laundry for him when you can ask God, God, do you want me to do laundry for him? And if God says yes, then do it. And now you're doing it for him. Colossians 3.23 was our verse. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly and do it for the Lord because that's where the reward's coming from. So now you're doing it for the Lord. You're doing laundry for the Lord. You're cooking and feeding him for the Lord. Now I will say they had some kind of little justice because one day Matt sat down with some, and he's like, yeah, this spaghetti's all right. And I was like, what? And it had been in the refrigerator for like four months or something. <laughs> and after she told me, like, Whoa. but anyways, that was a little, God gave you a little lanyap there. But, but liter- literally, ask God, should I do this for him? Should I do this? And if God says yes, do it. And now it doesn't matter what they do with it. You want them to do what you believe God wants them to do. But if they don't, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for God, and he caused you to love people, and now you're doing it for them. But guess what? If they don't do what you want them to do with it, does that change your relationship at all? Not a bit. That's love. Agape love is, is Eros love, is, love is, is a me love. I'm doing it because I get something out of it. Phileo love is us love. We both get something out of it. You know, agape love is a you love. I'm doing this for you. Whether I get anything out of it or not, because I am getting something out of it because I love God. I'm doing it for him. That's the difference between love and manipulation. And I'll tell you what, Ashley, that conversation changed my life. He, little did I know that's where he was teaching me to make disciples here because you know what, you know me. If I have you in the boat one day, I'm pouring everything I got into you and I'm going to love you. If I have you there for three weeks or three years or how long have you have been with us now? I mean, I'm just saying, no matter what, I love you. I can say that about everyone, Johnny and Johnny, no, he, brought, he brought you guys, I love you guys, and I told you, that's why I can say, if this isn't what you're looking for, I'll help you find it, if we don't scare you off, welcome to the family, You get we tried to scare you off already, you're still here, but I'm just saying, I love you, I'm not, I don't love you for your potential, I don't love you for end result, I love you because God brought you in my life and gave me a love for you, I don't know how long that season lasts none of us do but that's the difference between love and manipulation and so he says man when they see your pure conduct that you just love them because god gave you a love why is when your husbands see that oh my goodness he said it's it's gonna work it's gonna accomplish way more than anything else look what he says now Now he's not telling women not to wear makeup or anything like that he says don't let your adorning be external the braiding of your hair, putting of gold jewelry, the clothing you wear. Karen, I was thinking, because you're pretty plain Jane today, but you you have um, you are still known as a lady with blue hair. That back, did you know back in the Greek days, the Greco-Roman days here, dude, they dyed their hair multiple colors. They wore multiple colored wigs, extravagant, because all they had was an external show of who they were. And he's saying, yeah, I'm not saying don't do that, but don't let that be who you're known for being. Don't try to find all your identity on your external. He says, man, let you be known for who you are internally. Look what he says, but let your adorning be hidden the hidden person of the heart. That's true for all of us, but he's saying especially the wives. He said, man, yeah, keep yourself, do, do what, you know, all of us got to do the best we can with what we got, right? Terry, did you do the best kid with what you got today? Yeah, man, you look, you look good, all right? Believe it or not, this is the best I can do with what I got, all right? So that's why I'm standing this way and not this way. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. But he said, man, let the hidden person of your heart, let your adorning be the hidden person of your heart. Now look at this next part. Don't miss this part. With the, what's the next word? In what? Perishable. Hey, what does perishable mean? And what does perishable mean? It has a shelf life. It has a shelf life. How many of you would say external beauty has a shelf life? Have you ever, yeah. Have you ever had your kids look at pictures of you when you're younger and they're like, God, what happened to you? (laughs) It's like, well, it'd be pretty weird if you thought we were hot. All right, God does that on purpose. All right. You're not supposed to think of that. We, our external body, we have a perishable, we have a shelf life. Couldn't have put it any better than that. But look what he says doesn't have a shelf life. The hidden person of your heart. In fact, as you're a godly believer and you get closer and closer to God, does your inner beauty get more beautiful or less beautiful? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying don't do the best you can with what you got on the external. We should take care of all the above. But he said, man, don't neglect that internal because that is imperishable. You want to know why I eat so many preservatives? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you ever think about that? <laughs> but anyways, I, I really don't eat that many anymore. But it's imperishable. And look what he says. It's the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. It's tranquil, not nagging. How many people want to go home to get nagged, nibbled to death by a duck? How many of y'all are volunteered? <laughs> I can send you some homes I know of. Not any of y'alls, okay, all right. But man... What would you rather go to, a tranquil home or a nagging home? And again, I'm not saying we don't have bad days, but think about this. And that's what he's saying. It's for both of us, husbands and wives, for anybody. This is applicable, but it is in the context of marriage. He said, man, when your home is, 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 is tranquil, when your spirit is, is gentle and quiet, and again, that means tranquil, not that you don't say anything. That's not what that means at all. He said, man, look, what in God's sight, it is very what? And Peter, the big, tough, rough fisherman, you know, calloused hands, catching fish, you know, uh, this rough, tough fisherman. Precious probably wasn't in his vocabulary, but he uses a lot in here, especially when he's out talking about our behavior. When we act like Christ, it's precious, man. I just can't imagine Peter saying precious. (laughs) Any more than Terry, you just don't say precious very often. You go to the junkyard and you're trying to sell them big like cutters to cut cars. This cutter is precious. (laughs) This is a precious cutter. Will that sell a lot of cutters in the junkyard? No, no. But Peter like, if it says precious, man, it must be precious. That's where he's at. He said, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God, hoping in God is what? That's faith, right? The holy women who had faith, who believed in the sovereignty of God, who trusted in the sovereignty of God, trusted in it enough to obey God's rules, he said, this is what they did. This is how they adorned themselves by submitting to their husbands. Do you think Sarah always agreed with Abraham? What about when, what about when Abraham's like, oh, hey, pretend you're like my sister so I don't get killed. (laughs) He did that twice, right? But she submitted. And if was, she trusting Abraham, who was she trusting? And she needed to do, and again, I'm not saying you have to do things that are against Scripture by any means. That's where you stand up against it, and you may suffer the consequences of it. But you do everything in your power to make them a success. Again, to their own husbands. And look what it says. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord... And it wasn't like, oh, my Lord. So, so you know, it's not like Tom Vicky, like calling you Lord and not Tom. Oh, Lord, Tom. <laughs> you know, that's how. No, it was by her actions. That's how it was done. It was done by her actions. She called him Lord by the way she acted that, look, I'm believing you need to hear from God because I'm going to follow you. I'm praying for you to hear from God. That's a great thing for you wives to be praying for. Pray that your husbands hear from God, especially, that, that'll make it easier and better for you to be able to submit, but no matter what, you're supposed to do everything in your power to make them a success. And so it was done by her actions. And he says, and you guys are children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And, and when I pulled that apart in the Greek, you know what that really means? It means it's scary to follow. How many of y'all ever followed somebody in a place where you didn't know where you're going? How many, how many have said, okay, I'm submitting to this boss. We got a new boss, and the boss, I don't know what this boss is gonna do. We have a new this, and I don't know what's gonna happen, but I gotta do my part. It's hard. Isn't it scary to follow? It's, you know, That's why as we get older, we don't like things changing, do we? So he's saying if you don't fear anything that's frightening, in other words, it can be scary to follow, Unless you're trusting who? Steve, who's the only one, who, who are you you in? Yeah, if you ever get called on and you don't really know what to say, just say, God, Jesus. And that usually works, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not scary to follow if you're trusting G, if you're trusting Christ. But if you're trusting that human, dude, my wife's got the most guts in the world. Can you imagine her following me? <laughs> it's like, if she didn't think I was following God. So you think my wife's got a prayer life or what? I'm just saying. So that's what he's saying in that. Likewise, he gives to the husbands, dwell with your wives. And you know what? I'll never forget my uncle when he tried to get me to play golf. And I tried to take up golf, you know, and I'm a baseball player, and the two things don't mix. And I'm playing golf, and my, my, my wife and Ashley, when she was in a little cart, we lived out in Webster and could golf for like 15 bucks or 13 bucks. And I would tell my uncle when we were going fishing, I said, yeah, man, we'd put the baby cart in the golf cart, and my wife would let her drive, and I'd go. He's like, why would you take your wife golfing? And I'm like, well, because I enjoy it. And he's like, that's where we go to get away from our wives. <laughs> I was like, that was my uncle. And me, I'm like, I want to go. go with her. I want my family together. I want to be, now I'm not saying we don't need things. Obviously, if it's not my wife's thing, then she's not going with me. You know. That, on the beach, she doesn't want to get her face wet. We always have somebody watch our stuff because we're wet. <laughs> but, you know, but it's amazing how this is saying be with your husbands and wives. I do a lot of pre-marriage counseling. I do a lot of marriage counseling. And you know what one of the biggest problems is? Husbands and wives don't hang out together. They don't do a lot of things together. And, and, it's a, and now you're like, oh, pastor, shut up. <laughs> no. That's what my wife's been saying. Did she pay you to say this? No. But do you understand who he's talking to? Remember when he was talking the first part, you were like, yeah, submit, woman. <laughs> Make me a success, woman. Yeah, you know. And, 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 and that, was, that was Peter speaking on behalf, of the guy, on behalf of God on the guy's behalf to the women. This is God speaking on behalf of the women through Peter to the men. And it's like, likewise, husbands live. What does that word live? It means Dwell. Do some things together, be together, do things, figure it out, you know, and that's true with your whole family. I love what my kids have said over the years as dad, you know, was a pastor, we don't have a lot of things money can buy, but we have a lot of things money can't buy. And those things came from just being together in a tent with rain coming in, camping on our family vacations. We got memories other people don't even have a clue about, right, Ashley? And we wouldn't trade them for the world man but here's with your wives dwell i don't know about you we're kind of getting in this empty nest thing myself you know and I, sometimes i look over and there's my wife on her phone and i'm on my phone and the tv's on with nothing really what we're watching and we're just like we can't do this we got to figure out something how to dwell with each other what to do, because you've just invested your whole life raising the kids, and I've raised my, you know, done this, and then we came together for stuff, but, in life is dynamic, there's new seasons. Brand new seasons for stuff, figure out how to dwell, be together, live, dwell with your wives, and look what he says in an understanding way. How many of you say, now, this is impossible? How do you understand this? How do you understand? Your... How many guys have had a hard time understanding their wife? Be honest. In... Yeah, Terry's brave because his wife's not here and she can't <laughs> elbow him. God made it that way. Do you understand? Now, how many of you wives have a hard time understanding your guys, your husbands? Yeah. It's just as frustrating because as what is the crux of most of my pre-marriage counseling is here's your strengths, here's your weaknesses. And if both of you were the same, one of you is not necessary. And so God puts opposites together. Your way's not right, your way's not right, y'all's way is right. As you leave, cleave, and weave together, as you come and bring it all together in this. And God even has a greater sense of humor because not only puts opposites together, but how many know there's a difference between guys and girls, (laughs) men and women? Big differences, yeah! Dude, they even tried to, what was that book about Venus and Mars? (laughs) And like, two different planets, two different languages. But guess what the common denominator can be? The Holy Spirit of God. And when you stay full of the Spirit, both of you, that's your only hope of success. That's it. You, don't, you try to do this carnally, it is not going to work. You both stay full of the Spirit, and you'll be blown away how God has put two beautiful opposites together and put two total different creations of men and women together and how he works it all out. Destiny, that's why I love seeing pictures of you and Jack out in the woods and stuff. You know, it'll change once you get some babies and you got all that. It's. You know, is he hunting today? Yeah, I figured that. Thank you for coming, so, but, but yeah, so husbands dwell with your wives. You're like, oh, dude, especially retirement. I mean, this retirement's crazy, you know, at a time when, I mean, as we get older, do we like change? No, and what do you do when you retire? You change everything. (laughs) It's like, it makes no sense, so you got to refigure everything out, but God has given you an opportunity to do things you've never been able to do, and it starts with dwell. And wives, in an understanding way, be sensitive. How many of y'all are just blowing your wife off because you had no clue what she was saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this humor, no. Your job as a man is to understand, and that's a hard job, and there's consequences that come with it you're gonna see at the end of this, but your job is to understand. That's why he put her there. For you to try to understand. And, and so, if you can't understand her carnally, and who do you got to ask? Man, husbands, you guys should be doing a lot of praying. God, what is she talking about? God, please. God, I know she didn't really just mean whatever. All right? You know, God, God I don't know what she's saying. She's not speaking. She's only making faces, you know. God, God what does this mean? You, it should drive you closer to God, both of you. But he says, dwell and be sensitive. Showing honor to the... So you're being sensitive. This part of society messes up, and I'm not going to go in a whole lot of detail because, dude, we got girls with hormones competing in guys track and guys and so on, but showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Oh, no, you didn't say that. No, I didn't. Peter did on behalf of the Holy Spirit. You know? Hey. uh, Oh, they're both down there. Construction industry uh, in that. Hey. Would you say where you deal with in the construction industry and the junkyards and all that and cutters and are there more women or men in that? Men, yeah, because they're throwing around junk. They're like, hey, electricians, you might have an occasional woman, right? But it's mostly what? Men, yeah. And, And so what he's talking about is that on the whole, men are generally physically stronger and women are not. Now... I, don't hit me, woman. I know there's some of y'all can knock me out, Colleen. I'm just saying, no, I'm messing with you. No. I'm just saying. These are generals. He's like, but what he's talking about is chivalry. Treating a woman with honor. You know what? If there's a dirty job, who should do it? Yeah. Woman, go clean that, unplug that toilet I just clogged. No, that's your job. I'm just saying. If there's a nasty job, go, you do it. That's the honor that he's talking about here. He said showing honor to the woman. And again, as the weaker vessel, he's talking about physically. And I know that's not always true. Before the malls closed, I used to see the guys and girls in the mall. And and there were some scrawny guys with some big women. But I'm just saying, strong women. (laughs) But as a whole, this is what he's talking about. As a whole, this is what he's talking about in here. He's saying being chivalrous, and right now you would have to say chivalry is 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 dead in society because no one's teaching the younger men, older men. Mike, what would you say is a characteristic of chivalry? How would you define chivalry? What one act of chivalry? All right, somebody help Mike out. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, go ahead, Jason. Opening a door, does that mean she can't physically open a door and you're degrading her because, no, I'm giving you honor, I'm putting you first. Okay, open a door, what else? Hey, Zolte, you come from the old world, Europe, right? You know, there's still chivalry some, right? What is being chivalrous? Oh, no, there, women are slaves still, right? Okay, but what's an act of chivalry? <laughs> Regional difference, yeah. And always, there's also another one. If you're walking on the sidewalk, the woman has to be on the left hand side. I keep trying to tell my wife that at Walmart. It's like, let me be here. If anybody gets hit by a car, it should be me, right? And that's what you're I got you. Only the dogs and the whores are on the right side of the man. Wow, in Hungary, that's the way it works. Exactly. <laughs> Sam what <all> right. <laughs> Sam, what were you going to say? Yeah, you sacrifice, you give her honor. Help me out with some more chivalry for guys that don't have any. Yeah. All right, okay. what, tell me, Ryan. Get her oh, get her flowers, okay, well, that's, okay, that'll work, <laughs> all right, what else? Carry stuff. Yeah. Carry stuff, yeah, dude. Yeah, Jason, oh, keep it coming, Jason. Well, it for okay. Say that again? Yeah, not like calling your scorecard later. Well, I did all this for you. Now I want this, right? Okay, that's, that's manipulation, but doing it. Help me out, guys. What's some more chivalry? Yes, Rick. Take out the trash. Out the tra- <laughs> but that's a woman. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, T- take out the trash. Go ahead, Adam. Wow, even if you're going to get wet, you're crazy. No, I'm just saying, no, but that's the way the world is. You're right. Showing her honor. Come on, help me out, guys. Anyone else? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing very good at that one, but (laughs) yeah, we're doing the best we can with what we got, bro. But yeah, maintain. In other words, take care of things you can take care of to show her honor. Help me out with some more, guys. Yeah, Karen. and that's not because you're too weak and you can't do it right it's a way to honor you help me out terry got another one you have three daughters man you better be teaching these guys right now treat your wife the way you would want a future son-in-law to treat your daughter yeah there you go all right help me out anyone else chivalry what else we got and actually we're going to probably end right here we'll hit the next section next week because it's 11 o'clock but but listen, I feel comfortable about that. But I want to hear some more about chivalry. Yeah, Jason? When you're first dating, before you get married, pay for their meal. So good at Okay. And, and how about, oh, pay for the meal, you mean? Pay. Yeah, pay for it. Otherwise, it's called going what? Dutch or something? Or Yeah, I don't know about that culture, but that's usually when you're not really sure about what's getting ready to happen. You're like, I ain't sure if they're worth it or not. But if... But it, <laughs> But if she's worth it, man, yeah, I mean, no, you know what I mean. <laughs> when you've married her and you're going to spend the rest of your life with her, is she worth it? Yeah. Don't you dare marry her. Don't bring her for me. I'm going to tie a good knot, man, and she deserves better than you if you don't think she's worth it. So, yeah, I know that probably didn't come out right, but, <laughs> but yeah, what else? Help me out, guys. It's obviously not taught. Jimmy. I'm picking on you back there man. What what would you say is chivalrous? Do the laundry. Do the laundry. Now you're meddling, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So something that you could do for her and she'd say, what in the heck are you doing that for? It's cuz I love you. My wife daughter told me to change when I'm doing the laundry. All right. Yeah, on the other end my wife won't let me touch the laundry because it's for some reason she thinks you need to use more than just the heavy hot cycle. And same with the dryer, man. I got one cycle because I was with a quarter the easiest way to get through it all. No, who else Rick, did you have another one? It's just a mindset. It's a pattern of sacrifice. And you always try to put her needs first. Yeah. Yeah. Always putting her needs. And isn't that, that's a great way to bring it all back unless somebody has something burning in their heart right now. Uh, look, well, I feel, I feel like I should ask women. We've asked guys, they've been answered. women, what What would you say is chivalrous? I see smoke coming out of your ears there. What's, you got something? Yeah, protection. Protection, yeah. Okay. Yeah, dude, you got this, like, <laughs> cop commander dude. That <laughs> When I baptized him, man, I was like, am I allowed to touch that body? <laughs> it was like, like a Ken doll, man. I was like, yeah, I'd be protected, too. Yeah, but... But it doesn't matter what physically they have as long, but if they don't have the mental and emotional set to love you enough to know, they would sacrifice their life for you. Yeah, Yeah, that protection. What else? Uh, My dad opens the the car door. For you guys even? Yeah. Why does he do that? Is it because you you don't know how to open a car door? You can't open a car door? (laughs) Uh, Why does he do that? Because he loves you and gives you that priority. And um, anyone else? We're going to end here soon. Just providing for the family. Yeah. Even when you don't feel good. Yeah. Go on, because that's your responsibility. That you love them and they're more important than you. Because that, that is what Paul said in Philippians to the Gentiles. It's what Peter is telling the Jews. It's the New Testament way. Treat others better than you want to be treated. Put others in front of you, especially the ones you love. And we're supposed to, who are we supposed to love, by the way? Everyone. That's the next part, next week. Destiny, what would you say? Um, being included. Being included. Yeah. So Jack didn't invite you to go hunting today? <laughs> no, he yeah. asked. Oh, okay, all right, so you were included. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was a little angst and we need to work this out. You know, you... <laughs> You want me to call Jack, Jack, you know? You should have invited her. But it's a one-man tree stand, and now she's eating for two. No, I'm just joking. No, I'm messing with you. Chrissy, up till six, eight months, she was climbing tree stands. Dude, it was, it was pretty cool. I videoed it. No, I'm just saying What would you say, Jordan. comes no matter what, no matter what. It's not called cool there you go so so there it is And i think we're going to end right here because i think that's where it ends and he says look at this since they are heirs with you he's not talking about kingdom errors what he's actually talking about he said they're 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 with you they've inherited the same thing if you're married to them then that means they're married to who?" You, you're in this. You're like two sides of a double-wide trailer, (laughs) if you will. (laughs) I I went to a marriage conference where the dude talked about that, but if you don't know what a double-wide trailer is, it's two single-wides that they put together. So what happens if one is really good and the other one is really not? It affects all of it. But what happens if they both are good and they enhance each other? He said, man, you're in this together. He says, with you, you're in this together of the grace of life. In other words, this isn't talking about salvation. What this is talking about is marriage is one of the most awesome things, if done right, that God can give you, and that's that companionship. And look what he says to the men. He said, you don't want to respect your wives. You don't want to be chivalrous. You don't want to make them priority. You want to go live your own life away from them. He says, look what happens. So he says, don't do all that so that your what? Prayers Prayers are not Peter's actually telling these guys as sort of an incentive, like, guys, don't like neglect your wives or God's going to neglect your prayers. That's exactly what he's saying. Because you've already been given the, go- the, the, the job of talking to, you know, you've know, you already been given the job of taking care of your wives. You've been given that job. And, and so you don't really need to hear anything else from God until you do that, unless you're asking me about how to do that. He's, he's saying, you don't take care of your wives, your prayers will be hindered. I mean, is there any other way to look at that? You don't have to be a, a Greek scholar. He's using it as an incentive, but unfortunately with many people, it doesn't matter anyways because they don't pray. But if you pray and you appreciate the power of prayer, then, you, then he says, here's your incentive. Take care of your wives. Use part of that prayer to figure out how to take care of your wives. Pray for your wives. Talk to them. Talk, find out, God, I don't understand. Help me understand. God, help me do... dude." God knows everything so he says take care of your wives so that your prayers aren't hindered so I think we're going to end right here (laughs) because uh you guys are looking hungry and uh the next one will be another hour I guess but we'll be we'll get it next week about basically submitting to everyone living in that world where everyone is trying to help everyone be a success but today whether you're married or not married let me ask you a question if you're just an individual out there you guys aren't married right can you apply any of this to your life just out there today? Yeah, it's all relevant. You know, it works in marriage. This is specifically for marriage, but there is an application for everyone in this. Go back and read it again. Go back and ask God how he wants you to apply this in here. But let's pray right now. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, thanks for giving us instructions. It'd be horrible to be born again, to be an ambassador for you and have to figure all that out on our own, (laughs) to not have instructions. And especially when the right instructions are so counterintuitive to what we think. Father, none of this makes sense to the world. We have to be born again for it even to make sense. But when we're born again and we love you, you cause us to love others and we get the benefit and it makes sense to us. It doesn't mean we want to do it. It doesn't mean it's what we're always going to choose, but Father, help us want to and do it more often because it's really what represents you. Father, you have done everything in your power to make us a success. You've even given us a new birth so that we can represent you. In order to represent you, we got to know what you want us to do and we got to understand enough and We have to have the power to be able to do it, and you've done that. You've set us up to be a success. So, Father, um, I pray if there's somebody here that isn't sure of their relationship with you, not positive they have one, I pray you'd give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you, in faith, knowing they don't even know what comes next, but they can have faith in what was just preached, is that you will cause them to love you, which will then cause them to love others. And it'll be a pretty awesome gig for them for the little bit of time they're here. But they would have an eternal home in heaven. So, Father, um, just pray we would keep things in perspective. Know that our gig, as believers, we're set. We are set for life. And for this little teeny bit of time we have left on this planet, Father, I pray we would make it all about you so it could all be about others. And then we would come back each week with the joy bucket and be praising you for what you did through that set of priorities. How beneficial it is, how awesome it is to be able to invest our lives in others and watch you work. It's certainly a pretty awesome gig for us. Thank you for including us. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.